WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. On hold, why the gay marriage debate will wait until next year. Sunday sales, the battle over booze. School vouchers, Susan Brooks on a big stage, and reconsidering the Super Bowl bid. That plus the Pence family moves into the governor's residence and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending February 8, 2013. Ice Miller proud to support Indiana Week in Review. The path to a successful business has unexpected twists and turns. The legal professionals at Ice Miller are dedicated to guiding businesses along the journey. Experience takes businesses to the top. Ice Miller can help them stay there. Ice Miller, it's a complex world. Be advised. AT&T, connecting Hoosiers with the world for more than 130 years. Investing to build communication networks to help Indiana businesses and consumers succeed in a global economy. AT&T, rethink possible. This week, the effort to create a constitutional ban on same-sex marriage in Indiana was placed on hold. The announcement came from the GOP leaders of the House and Senate who say they want to see an anticipated ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court expected in July before they move ahead. Meantime, the Wish TV Ball State Hoosier survey recently found 54% opposed to the amendment that would also ban civil unions. The Hoosier survey found 55% in favor of civil unions. Public opinion is shifting. Our caucus has decided to, uh, to wait until 2014 to take a vote on this issue that we could find ourselves in the very inadvisable situation of, uh, of having a matter on the ballot in 2014 that has been ruled unconstitutional. We think it's prudent. We think it's smart. We think waiting until the Supreme Court is finished is the right thing to do. So we're glad it happened. Is a 2014 debate on gay marriage guaranteed? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Shella. And Delaney, is this a stalling tactic? I don't know if it's a stalling tactic or not, but I think both of them deserve. This is probably going to be probably going to hurt them by saying this, but <laughs> I actually think that both Senator Long and Speaker Bosman deserve a lot of credit for this because we shouldn't enshrine in the Constitution something where the social uh, uh, mores and the attitudes of the public are changing as rapidly as they are on this issue. I, I hope it's gone for good, to tell you the truth, but I think it's a very good move on their part, at least to delay for, for a year. We already have the statute in place. And, you know, if Gay they, marriage is illegal it, in Indiana. And so they can leave that alone. There is absolutely no reason to have a constitutional amendment. And whether it's done as a stalling tactic or whether it's done as one step towards letting it go completely, I, I don't care. Either way is good. Speaker Bosma says he expects a debate next year, he expects it to pass, and he expects it to go to a referendum. Uh, are attitudes shifting fast enough to prevent that? I think all of those things that he said are correct. 
I think what they're worried about right now is they don't want to have the Supreme Court make a decision that would change this referendum. That's not an excuse. You could have That's a, a reason it's not well, an excuse. No, you could have, a, you could have a, a, a referendum on a ballot that the Supreme Court's already decided is invalid, and now how do you undo that when you've got people going to the polls to vote on something that uh, you can't be put in a constitution? I mean, it's just it's, it's silly. And so this is a practical thing to do, uh, a smart thing to do on a variety of levels. And uh, although I do think the Supreme Court decision probably won't be broad enough, it'll probably be narrow enough that it won't affect it, and we probably will have this debate, and it probably will be on the ballot next year. And if that happens next year, it's during an election year, that brings new dynamics. Oh, sure, it absolutely does. And one thing we probably... It absolutely does, do you think? New dynamics? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. And I'll tell you why. It's, it, it's, it's the, uh, as indicated by the polls, the, the, we said a week or two ago, I've never seen uh, opinion change as rapidly on an issue as it has on this. If you'd asked me this question as a, you know, 10 years ago, I would have given you an answer that this was a slam well, last, dunk. Last week, you said five years ago. I, I'm, I'm hedging my bets this week. But it, it's changed dramatically. I mean, the, the, the numbers in Indiana, that in Jim's poll that was done with Ball State, they're very similar to the numbers we see out of Pew and other reputable polling organizations nationally. So I think there will be a lot of uh, more debate than, than certainly any of us would have expected seven and a half years ago. I'll split the difference. But, right. they, but, okay, but here, let me just make one other point about the corporate involvement. A lot of people who have been supportive of this, I think, will be able to find some political cover in the large Indian employers, Cummins Engine Company, probably the most notable, but I think Eli sure. Lilly has been active, uh, WellPoint, I think, in the past. They've been very active in it's not, opposing. It's not just cover. If, you, if you're interested in I'm what good. the businesses in this, in this state want to create jobs, you're against this amendment. Period. I'm, I'm simply exactly saying right. for some people, some uh, particularly Republican lawmakers who are concerned about economic development and job creation, they can say, this is why I want to step away from All it right. now. Let's go back to the poll, because uh, Speaker Bosma took issue with the poll. He said uh, that he doesn't believe the poll because it's not a voter's. There wasn't a voter screen on this poll because it's not an election poll. It's a poll about public policy and public policy affects all adults and that's why they were included in this. Now, he says that he doesn't just care about voters, but that, how else do you draw well, that? Well, if, if that's the distinction he's making, then clearly the most important constituency in his mind is voters. But I would say that the legislature looks like it's behind on this issue for the reasons we've already discussed. And if you wait another year and you're in the midst of an election year and this issue does find its way onto the ballot, I think you're going to find a lot of new voters in the process. And I think that um, then will be very interesting to see what a voter screened poll looks like because I think it'll look different than he might think. All right. One of the other things that the speaker said that was most interesting was that if he was to draft this now, he would lose the second clause, which effectively outlaws civil unions. Over. Well, yeah. and so do you, is it possible that they will change this and start over? Well, I think year? it depends on what the Supreme Court decision is. I mean, that's one of the things that, as I said, when I answered this first time, that, you know, they could change this and you could be voting on something that's invalid, which you don't want to have happen. But I'm going to put my former state chairman hat on here for a minute. The thing that drives me crazy about this is the millions of dollars that will be spent on both sides of this issue, if it does go to a referendum, that could have gone to candidates. Uh, you know, I'm telling you, there's going to be more or money spent. Development, There'll or be more charity, money spent. Or... Well, sure, on any of those things. And, and look, you know, this is one of those things that, that 
I think they made the right decision. They've said from beginning that this is not their priority this session, that's jobs and education, and they've stuck to it, and I give them credit for that. I don't think it matters what the Supreme Court does on this, because I don't think it's going to have any relevance to this constitutional amendment. <clears throat> and the constitutional amendment, as worded now, is poorly drafted for a variety of reasons, not just the civil uh, this civil union part of it, but also because it can affect domestic violence on this. And we said before, if even if you're in favor of this, and I'm not, but even if you are, it's poorly drafted and should be redrafted. And they could start this process all over again, or frankly, scrap the well, whole thing. And the, uh, it was a couple of years back now, I think the university, uh, the IU School of Law, looked at a student group in conjunction with some professors, looked at how many existing state statutes nothing to do directly with marriage, nothing to do even do directly with domestic violence, but all sorts of things. 614 existing state statutes, by their count, would be affected in some way, and not because of the first sentence in the, in the two-sentence provision, well, mostly but because mostly of because of the second. All right. State lawmakers heard three hours of testimony this week on a bill that would legalize Sunday liquor sales, but no vote is promised. Indiana permits alcohol sales in bars and restaurants, but prohibits package sales on Sunday. Liquor stores have fought efforts to legalize Sunday sales, while big box stores and grocery stores complain about losing business to surrounding states. Then what we're talking about is 300 to 600 million dollars in revenue lost to Indiana businesses just on Sunday. We aired the issue and uh, we'll see where that takes us. Now that's committee chairman Bill Davis preceded by John Elliott of Kroger. Davis opposes Sunday sales. He says he will decide in the next week or so if he will permit a vote on the bill. Mike McDaniel, will there be a vote? I will be surprised if there is a vote because chairman Davis is against and uh, uh, first of all and second I'm not sure that they have the votes to pass this out of committee anyway and you've got to decide whether you want to uh, put people on the line if the votes aren't there anyway. Why hold a hearing in that case? Uh, because I think that there's been enough discussion over this through the years that Bill Davis felt that there should be an honest discussion of this. And uh, just like attitudes have changed on a variety of issues, some people say that attitudes have changed on this issue. And uh, it's, it's, this is one of the most highly regulated industries that we have in Indiana, maybe with only utilities and gaming being the other ones that are as much regulated as this is, and, uh, uh, and for a reason, because of the effects of alcohol. And this would be a major expansion of alcohol. There's no question about it. Would it? No, I don't think it would be a major expansion. What, what really gets me about this is how the Republicans in the legislature are all for a market economy, except, you know, it's all market forces should do this. Market forces should control, except if we don't like it, and then in that case we can regulate it. You know, this attitudes have changed. This isn't an R&D issue at all. This what is not mean? Republicans and Democrats. It's, there are people well, on both who's sides. Who's the committee chair that there, won't allow a vote look, on it? There are people on both sides of this okay, issue. So it's who's not, the committee chair who won't well, allow the a sponsor, vote on it? Well, but the sponsor, the bills, sponsor of the bill is a Republican, Sean Everhart. Yeah. Okay, so then they ought to allow a vote on it. <laughs> He's the one holding it up. And, and take, take the R and the D affiliation out of it. I think the point's well taken. Let's just say people who say there's too much government intrusion in people's lives and in private business or not. And it just so happens, there's, this is where the inconsistency is, that the same people who say there's too much government, we want a smaller government, get off our backs, are the people who generally like the way it is now, which means the government's telling these uh, merchants, you can't sell it on Sunday. Right. And so, so there is an inconsistency there, clearly. 
The liquor store owners say that as many as 25% of them would go out of business based on a Wall Street study. Um, the, the grocery stores say that 300 to 400, maybe more million dollars in business goes across the border. Who wins the economic argument? Well, both studies are difficult to have good definition for. Uh, but there's no question that liquor stores would go out of business if uh, Sunday sales were expanded to uh, the, the big box stores or the grocery stores. So I think that, that that's probably the more accurate of the two. Uh, defining how it goes across state lines and whether or not they would do these sales otherwise is much harder to tell. Um, so this has nothing to do with um, philosophy or blue laws and everything to do with market share and the market forces involved. For some lawmakers, but if you look at the... No, the it's, I don't care whether it's the lawmakers or not. It, you know, they can talk about philosophy you talk, they want. You're talking about the people but who I'm have talking about this gets to the a vote. If it attention. gets to a vote, it becomes an economic issue, period. I, that's why I say for lawmakers, I agree with you. But for some Hoosiers, including some who showed up uh, to protest at, at the three-hour hearing, this is not, for them, and they're not elected officials, but for them this is a... They're a, a distinct a, a, minority. But they are, but they're also... Very Even one of the ministers who got up to testify said that his concern was parishioners who would have to work and couldn't come to church. It wasn't a Sunday issue per se. All right, time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific on online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question is, should Indiana legalize Sunday sales of packaged liquor? Your choices are A, yes, B, no, or C, what we need is new limits on liquor sales. Last week's question, was the case of Danny the Deer handled properly? 2% said yes, the law was broken. 10% said no, not every law should be enforced. 88% said there should be a pardon in this case. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. A committee in the Indiana House of Representatives passed a bill that would expand the school voucher system this week. The expansion would include special ed students, foster children, and the children of military veterans. The recent Wish TV Ball State Hoosier survey found that just 28% supported an expansion of vouchers, while 31% are opposed. Those findings were passed along to the committee by lobbyist Joel Hand. And at this time, to expand private school vouchers and to give vouchers or basically subsidies to private schools and private school parents is really not something that's fiscally responsible. This is exactly what we want for poor children who are of color. They're getting a better quality education. Why shouldn't we expand it? And that's Robert Enlow of the Friedman Foundation. John Ketzenberger, is the voucher system growing too quickly? It's growing pretty fast. Uh, whether or not it's too quickly is hard to say. But there's reason to be concerned because of the, the massive changes that it brings to the way schooling, public education uh, is handled in, in the state. And with the expansions that we've seen in the bill that just passed, um, you're talking about increasing the uh, income of families, uh, increasing the number of uh, uh, people who are included, uh, not just low income. Uh, and so this expansion is very rapid, and uh, I think that uh, it bears close scrutiny because it could have some major effects on the way funds are distributed to schools. The governor supports this bill. Much of this is the governor's language. He ran on some of it. Um, yet there's going to be some, some reluctance to pass it in the state senate, I expect. I think that's right. And if you look at uh, this, of course, the measure we were just talking about uh, is out of the House. If you look at out of the Senate, there are some similar bills and one that actually has gotten some attention, which has to do with siblings. And so if you're, you have a, if you're the brother or sister of a student already in a, in a, who receives vouchers, then that's another point of entry. But the chairman of the Senate Education Committee, Dennis Cruz, has said now several times that uh, 
this is not a year for dramatic change or dramatic expansion. And I, and I think other, some of his counterparts in his own caucus probably would suggest that, uh, this, that the, that the uh, changes that were enacted two years ago need to have a little more time to yeah. develop. So does this become more political statement or practical legislation? No, I think it becomes practical legislation from the standpoint that I think that's so popular uh, with the public, you're going to continue to see it grow. This the is poll a, suggests this that it's is, not popular. Well, it, it's a natural next progression. I mean, there's a lot of demand, and it's sure grown a lot in the last couple of years. And uh, what's interesting about this is it's not 100% dollar-for-dollar trade-off. A person using a voucher gets 90%. Yeah. of the money, not 100%. So that frees up some other money some other places. But uh, the socioeconomics of this indicates that those school systems where we spend more money, a lot of them being urban, versus those that where we don't, a lot of suburban schools, where the education uh, results seem to be a little higher, uh, you know, in, injecting this kind of competition into the process is good for everybody, in my opinion. But you're not even injecting competition well, into the process. No, you're not, because what they're using is they're using, for example, special education students as a sympathetic way to expand the voucher system. But none of these schools are required to take any special education or handicapped children. So what you're doing is you're putting all of those in the urban school. Already IPS has a disproportionate number of those students. You're using them as the poster child, and then you're saying, oh, but by the way, you don't have to take them. So it is, is complete bait and switch, and it's a bad <laughs> idea. I, I agree. I don't think it enjoys the popularity that you suggest in your poll, Jim. Well, is, actually, is, actually, there are plenty well, of people willing. I mean, sure. you know, 9,000 people it will grow to this year, 9,000 students, and, and this expansion would take well, it potentially to 16,000. That's not a big number no, when you're talking about the population now, of the state. There are plenty of a people. A lot of people now think it's somebody else's issue. Oh, that's an urban issue. That's, a, that's yeah, an right. inner city issue. But look, this, the rules, when the handcuffs come off, and these restrictions, and, it, and all so of a sudden, it might a become popular. all of a sudden, no, I disagree. <laughs> all of a sudden, a family of four making $128,000 a year—that's yeah. the new means yeah. test. Yeah. I think most Hoosiers would be shocked to find that that somehow yeah. is economically challenged. And the one—keep in mind, Indiana's program is already uh, unlike so many in the country because you don't have to show that the school you're right. attending failing. is failing. The right. whole premise here is that we got to yeah. go someplace where there's a good school because little Johnny or little Sally is going to a, right. a lousy school. Competition. It's, here, it's not here, competition. Here, that, competition. here that requirement is It not is complete yeah. Yeah. Moving on, moving on. Indiana Congresswoman Susan Brooks delivered the weekly GOP internet and radio address. The freshman from the 5th District said that the federal government could learn budget lessons from Indiana, but she also used some talking points that were somewhat predictable. Americans concerned about our nation's spending problem may now have cause for optimism. I recently voted, along with my colleagues in the House, to present the Democratic majority in the U.S. Senate with a simple but powerful challenge. Pass a budget or you don't get paid. John Schwannis, how'd she do? For what it was, I suppose she she did fine. I got a nice piece in the Washington Times. Uh, she made you pointed out, Jim. She made the points that I think virtually every Hoosier member of the congressional delegation, regardless of part, regardless of party affiliation, says. You know, we need to Midwestern common sense, Hoosier values. We can balance our budgets there. Nothing shocking in the speech. She delivered it fine. So over and done. She also was was chosen to take part in a Republican House leadership news conference this week. I mean, somebody's trying to elevate her above other freshmen at this point. And why not? For one, she's very good at what she does and can deliver the message. And two, she's in an incredibly safe 
Republican district. So she'll be there as long as she wants to be. So why not? I mean, I can see her easily moving up the chain and becoming part of the leadership team in a few few years' time. It, it's interesting to see because um, when she was U.S. attorney, she hardly appeared before the public, much in contrast to the current U.S. attorney. Well, um, she, she, uh, she had some pretty good innovations when she was U.S. attorney. I mean, the whole human trafficking initiative that started here was started under her auspices. So I, I think you're not giving her sufficient credit for that. I didn't say but she didn't deserve credit. She wasn't a show horse. To borrow a phrase from John Gregg. Okay. Well, whatever. Why in any event, they're right to put they're put they're right to put her forward because she's the kind of image they want to they should project as opposed to some of the other ones they've had out there. So so that's good. I thought she was a little bit more partisan in that speech than I expected her to be. And and I know that's a safe Republican district, but it's also important to remember that Donnelly carried that district handily. Yeah. And so people want the representatives you're, you're, you're working had, uh, together. That's a little major contrast yeah, in that. Uh, well, that's right. But I think what they want. No, I think. I think the message on that is that they want both sides working together. And I'm not sure a partisan message from her is consistent with that. But in your second month in Congress, that's a pretty big opportunity. Very big opportunity. She's articulate. She's very sharp. She's the image exactly. Anne's got this right. She's exactly the image the Republicans. No, she's exactly the image Republicans should be putting forward. And uh, she did a good job delivering. And she's right about the message because we have a AAA bond rating in Indiana. The federal government sure doesn't. But it wasn't any firebrand speech. You mentioned it was partisan. I think it was fairly safe because the, one of the lines that got some attention was she says, you know, these are important for anybody who cares about protecting Social Security and, and Medicare. That's not exactly bomb thrower kind of stuff. That seems actually pretty uh, pretty much uh, well, message design, to some Republicans, designed, that's designed to appeal to, uh, yeah. to everybody. Indianapolis plans to move forward with its own bid for another Super Bowl, but this week the president of the Indiana Sports Corporation said that doesn't mean the city will get the chance to do it. Allison Melanchthon spent the weekend in New Orleans. She said while there she learned about a change in the bid process that now includes an invitation. The NFL uh, has a committee then that will review all the cities that are interested and then they will invite you to bid. Mike McDaniel is that bad news for Indianapolis? No. I think we did such a great job here uh, last year uh, that we will be offered the opportunity to make a bid. She said what she had to say because the rules did change. It wasn't something where we can just throw a bid out there and uh, hopefully it'll be considered. Uh, we'll, we'll be given that opportunity. I mean, how could they not? Right. If anything, That's they'll right. use it to drive up the cost of everybody else. That, you know, our lives Because the stakes are so high. Well, <laughs> exactly. And we're looking exactly. at 2018, and New Orleans <laughs> wants it in 2018. Do you think New Orleans chances? New Orleans has had it you a lot. You think chances were hurt Ten by times. the time? Uh, don't you? Hurt by the blackout? 34-minute ver- I turned it off. I did, too. Yeah, I think they should have been hurt it's by it. It's also New Orleans' 300th anniversary that year, which may be a very powerful incentive to combine the what? two. I'm not saying that Indianapolis won't get it, but it might not be in 2018. It was also uh, below 20 degrees in Indianapolis last week. We got lucky That's a year we ago. We didn't have the Super Bowl. We did. <laughs> if we <laughs> had the Super Bowl, it would have been 50. Would have been, That's okay. exactly right. Yeah, I think if anybody had been on a zip line last week, they probably would have ended up a popsicle by the end of that. <laughs> but remember, we will, uh, who cares, New Orleans, we will be within two years of our 200th birthday as a state. There you go. So, I mean, granted, two years passed, but but still, I think if we yeah, can we we'll can match we can match the whole we can match the whole anniversary. Change the uh, the date. That's all. Okay. Finally, 
Indiana's first family has moved into the governor's residence. The unpredictable Indiana weather didn't stop Governor Mike Pence and his family from going ahead with their moving plans. The governor even helped the movers bring in boxes. Karen Pence gave directions. She's still recovering from emergency gallbladder surgery. It's a move the governor says he's dreamed of since he started his career in politics. And we just are really excited about uh about having a place uh, where we can be together as a family, but also a place where, you know, we can welcome Hoosiers on a regular basis. And Delaney, you've got a new neighbor. Yeah, it's nice to have the building occupied. You know, I was always afraid <laughs> there'd be graffiti or crack parties in there or something when, when it wasn't good enough for uh, the uh, former governor and his wife. So it's nice to have new neighbors. <laughs> you think it's important that the governor live in the governor's residence? I think the governor's residence is a very nice building. And yes, I think it's important. I think it sends the right message to the voters. And to kind of thumb your nose at it as not being good enough was not the right message for, for Hoosiers to hear. Respond to that. It's a family house and they're going to make it a family house which I think is important uh, and I thought Karen Pence was the smart one of the entire group for having her doctor tell her she couldn't lift any boxes <laughs> that Wait, weekend the question. <laughs> yeah. I think that's good um, she's going to work at, at, at the state house have an office even yeah, yeah rather than at the house. residence right right yeah she'll be the first first lady of Indiana to actually have a, an office which probably makes sense I mean she is a given any every indication she'll have a high profile role and um, do you expect the residence will be as open as it's been in the past no sure. i don't think so i think they'll use a lot of the area in the front for some public operations but uh, probably it will be more private than it has been uh, which is fine but i'm i'm kind of waiting to see if they'll come over to st thomas aquinas church behind there where they met uh, almost 20, what, 30 I, I years ago that persuasion anymore John. doesn't mean they can't come and visit no it's true John's Church. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat and Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash podcast or starting Monday. You can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. See you again next week. Ice Miller, proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Things can go wrong in a thousand different ways. Businesses need a law firm that knows the thousand and first. The team of legal professionals at Ice Miller is committed to helping put the pieces back together. Ice Miller, it's a complex world. Be advised. AT&T, connecting Hoosiers with the world for more than 130 years. Investing to build communication networks to help Indiana businesses and consumers succeed in a global economy. AT&T, rethink possible. 